the city of splendors, crown of the north. And when a 300-year-old vampire hires you to solve his own murder from 300 years ago, you know you're in for quite the ride. So far, we've been on the case for all of a couple of hours, and we're already in a fight for our lives. These undead need to figure themselves out. So yeah, the nobility calls it the City of Splendors. To everyone else, it's still just water deep. Okay, so the last episode ended off with you guys exiting a bookstore into a snowy street covered in blood and bits of bigoted bookstore employee. Uh, Standing across from you, a figure shrouded in furs, uh, cloaked against the cold and your perception, uh, issuing just one word, goblin. So as we start this episode, as we prepare to continue the adventure, uh, I'm going to ask all of you to roll initiative. Ledger has advantage on initiative rolls. And he got a five. Celine got six. Dorn's rocking an eight. I was so excited to use <laughs> that a new thing. Like he just got it when he leveled up, and then I rolled a three and a five. <laughs> Max, what did you get? Seventeen. Okay. So Max is quick on his feet. Everyone else, not so much. Max, you get to go first, figure across the street from you bloody fists wants to kill a goblin what are you gonna do what does he look like yeah humanoid humanoid hulking very big very big figure okay max is going to i'm gonna use insightful fighting uh i'm gonna make an insight check versus their charisma check so that is a uh 18 on the dice so 25 insight for max 21 for this figure. All right, so I have advantage against this uh, individual for the entirety of the fight. Great. Uh, And now I'm going to um, unload with my hand crossbow from where I'm standing. Uh, That is a 10 on the dice, so a 16 to hit. That'll hit. The one dice I need is the one that got went underneath the desk. (laughs) (laughs) 10 for the crossbow bolt. And then, talking to the microphone when you're rolling dice, Jason. Sneak attack damage. All four of these D6. That's uh, 11, so 21 total damage for my crossbow bolt. Yeah, you send it across the road. It sinks into his shoulder, and he seems unfazed. Continues just staring at you, dead-eyed, across the the cobbles of the street. I am going to uh, not move. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stay right here. That's it for me. It is now this figure's turn. Uh, He stalks across the street, ignoring the crossbow bolt in his shoulder and makes an attack against Max, raising one meaty, bloody fist. He brings it down. 13 against AC. Uh, that is not a hit. I have a 15. Not a hit. He misses, whiffs it, and his second attack, 20. That hits. With a solid impact, he deals eight bludgeoning damage. Uh, as a reaction, I'm going to use Uncanny Dodge, and I'm only going to take okay. four of those. Max, you're overcome with the reek of death, just the, the stench of decay. Interesting. Doran, your turn. So this guy looks strong, right? Very strong, yeah. How wide is the street? Um, 15 feet. So Doran will... Is, is, is everyone adjacent or is he only up to max? I don't... I know we just walked out of the, the bookstore, so how close? Yeah, he's... So he's facing max right now. The rest of you are arrayed kind of behind max. All right, well, uh, Doran is going to step to the right and get out of its range and then cast Grasping Vine as a bonus action. Okay. Uh, at the other 30 feet away at the end of the street, and then it will attack it with uh, a, a vine will sprout from the ground, a large vine, and it will whip out and try to lash its legs and yank it away. Okay. Does it actually pull them away? Yeah. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, it does a 25 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. And then he gets pulled 20 feet uh, away towards it down to the right. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the whipping vines reach out, wrap around his legs, and a bellow of rage as he is pulled away from Max, his fingers digging into the cobblestones, trying to keep him there, and like his, his fingernails breaking away against the icy stones. And then uh, after he's pulled, Dorn will step towards him and say, not my goblin, and turn into a giant velociraptor and get in between him and Max. I love it. And that's, uh, that's all I can do. Celine, your turn. Celine is going to look in his direction. Um, and this is the first time you encounter her shatter spell. Uh, this is a spell that creates a sudden loud ringing noise that's painfully intense and it ruptures at a point within my chosen range of a 10-foot radius. So it'll be... He's within 60 feet of me, is that correct? Oh yeah, he's 20 feet away. So Celine is going to lean back and she's going to do her song of choice. How many times can I break till I shatter? And then she's going to clap her hands and she's going to send this giant burst out at him. And she's doing it at a fourth level. So she is going to roll 5d8. Jeepers. Nineteen. Yeah, the the sound waves rip into him, pummel him down into the stones, but he still seems like all he wants to do is get up. His eyes are fixed on Max. Uh, Ledger, your turn. So Ledger is eyeing the situation and lets out a scream and starts running while pulling a longsword out of his overcoat. And... As he gets near this figure, the snow around Ledger actually starts to melt. He's just generating an intense heat as he enters his rage. Uh, how how close are you, Doran? Right up into his face, trying to get in between him and Max. Everyone within 10 feet of me, which I think will just be Doran and, and this, this enemy will take three fire damage. Uh, as I start to rage. That's cool. And then I am going to... Um, I'm going to do a reckless attack for my first attack. So it'll be a 17 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. Be 13 damage. That seems to take his notice. So your your longsword bites down into him. The flames have singed the the hair off of the, the furs that he's wearing. Um, and as your sword swings down... Um, he, for the first time, peels his eyes away from Max and looks up at you. Okay, and then I'll get a second attack. That's a nine to hit. Miss. That is a miss. Okay. He is not into that. Uh, Max, your turn. Back to you. All right. Um, Max is going to... Uh, he's just going to sit back, and he's just going to plunk away with this uh, hand crossbow. And uh, rolling with advantage because of my insightful fighting. That is a 17 plus 6, so 23 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, so, let's see here. 5 plus 3, so 8 for the crossbow bolt. And then 15 for a sneak attack. So 23 total. And Max is going to kind of shout across and say... Yeah, I'm a goblin. What do you What do you want? So yeah, he uh, reaches up and makes his attacks against Ledger. So you'll have advantage on that attack. All right, he hits with his first attack. Um, so as he stands up, he brings this. He brings a fist up into Ledger's stomach, dealing ten points of bludgeoning damage. And that was his left. Now he swings across with his right. Uh, Ledger, that's a eighteen versus AC. That'll hit. Another eight points of damage as he swings across with a right hook and just a bellow of rage. No, like a, a nonsensical sort of um, thoughtless howling. Uh, and back to Brad, your turn. So Doran's going to have the vine whip him again because it would be 30 feet away so it could pull him 10 more. Okay. Maybe 14. Uh, yeah, that'll do it. 
So the vine will pull him, whip out, reach around him, and pull him the additional 10 feet back towards it. And then Doran's going to back up a little bit and do a full-on pounce attack. He's going to charge at him and hit him with a claw attack. So that's going to be 13 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. Plus so 9 damage. And he has to succeed on a DC 13 saving throw to be knocked prone. He does not. He is knocked prone. And then I could bite him, but I already used my bonus action to whip him, so I can't. Okay. So, since you used your bonus action to whip him, does that mean you're you're near him within, say, 15 feet? I'm practically on top of him. I knocked him down by clawing him. Okay. Well, then... All my hit points are temporary. If you want to burn me, just go ahead. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Celine is going to step up. Uh, Doran is in her way, uh, but she is going to cast Thunder Wave at third level, so she's going to sing for it. Thunder, feel the thunder, lightning, then the thunder. She's going to clap again, so she does 3d8 thunder damage. It hits Doran too, by the way, if he was in the range. 20 damage. Ow. Dorn takes it like a champ. Ledger, your turn. So at this point, it was pulled 10 feet from Ledger. That's right. He's 10 feet away from you and now prone on the ground. I'm sorry. I forgot to mention, he gets pushed 10 feet away because of the thunder damage. So he's actually going to be a little further from you. Okay, so he's 20 feet away now. Yeah. With a tore-up raptor on top of him. (laughs) (laughs) Ledger's walking speed's really fast. He's 40, so he can close the distance in no time and do another um, another reckless attack. Uh, you actually, you have advantage because he's prone, so you wouldn't need to be reckless. That's correct. Perfect, thank you. Be a 13 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll be eight damage. At this point, he's starting, he's starting to look pretty messed up. Your sword bites down into him, uh, and he, now he's looking distressed. So him and Doran are also going to take three damage each from the intense heat um, that's being generated by Ledger raging. And, you know, of course, all the the snow around us is just melting as if someone's taken a flamethrower to it. And uh, Ledger will get one more attack. It's uh, 14, so it'll hit for seven damage. Yeah, now he's looking really wounded. Max, it's your turn. Max is going to take a couple of steps forward, see that he's looking pretty bloody. Aim. Down sights. Uh, I would have disadvantage because he's prone, but I have advantage because of insightful fighting, so I'm just going to roll one dice. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, No, it's fine. Uh, So that's uh, 11 on the dice, so 17 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, So six on the crossbow bolt, and then uh, that is uh, 19... With a sneak attack. So your crossbow bolt arcs down the, the the street, plunges into his neck, and he he struggles briefly, as if trying to claw his way towards you, just a little bit more, before he collapses, and then just seems to deflate a little bit. The the furs sink in. And he lays still in the street. Make sure to double tap. (laughs) Max will walk over and ask Ledger to kick him over so that we can have access to his pockets or, you know, I just, I want to see what we can find out about this thing. Ledger does that and he's just sort of huffing and puffing and just has this blank expression as he comes out of this rage that he kind of doesn't even really know where he is. Uh, and as you walk over, the air is still hot, but not enough that it would do any sort of damage as he as he calms down and uh, sort of pushes it over. And Doran turns back to normal and is kind of rubbing his ears like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what, yeah. what lays before you in the street is a corpse and not a fresh corpse. I don't mean that in the sense that you have killed this person and now they are a corpse. What I mean is, this is a days-old or week-old corpse um, that attacked you. 
uh, that that picked itself up and, and went after you. Uh, Dorn would like to do a nature check to see if he can glean any information from the corpse's unnatural state. Cool, roll it up. Oh yeah. 24. Certainly unnatural. You you know for a fact that it is unnatural for corpses to get up and attack people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nature 101. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh... You also realize that this is likely a revenant, specifically something that was raised to go after a person. Or a goblin. Or a goblin. A goblin. Goblins are people, too. <laughs> Max would like to uh, investigate this giant. Give me a, give me an investigation check. All right. Uh, that is an 18 on the dice. So with Oof. my plus nine, that's a 28. So you, in investigating the body, you don't recognize the body at all. This is not someone that you had any sort of familiarity with. Sure. But you notice uh, calloused hands, um, small burn marks up and down the forearms, uh, and you believe it's likely that this was a smith. Yeah, that uh, that tracks. That uh, was taken. Like, they died, and their corpse was taken for this. Uh, Just their the pure physical strength of the um, person when they were alive uh, was likely utilized as a tool to go after you. Any sort of sigil or, um, you know, like any sort of marking or demarcation of uh, how this person was raised from the dead? No, you don't see any sort of... um, There's no... There's no uh, evidence that a cult, uh, a a cultist, or, uh, you know, something that might be found in the cultist cookbook available on Dungeon Master's Guild, (laughs) uh, currently a silver bestseller, uh, would uh, have had something to do with the raising of this. There's there's no physical evidence. Can Celine do an arcana check? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Have Celine come over and take a look. Hmm. That's a five. So she didn't. She didn't make it. She don't know. Do Do we know how just abstractly powerful someone has to be to create a revenant? Does anyone have proficiency in religion? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I have the a plus. Did. Yeah, I have a plus three in religion. You could roll a religion check, Talia. Really missing the countess right now. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's a five again. Keep rolling twos. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I need the countess. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're not. You know, powerful, but you don't know specifically how powerful. As far as like a history check, would she at least understand like, like if I did a history check to understand what would be powerful enough? Not necessarily. Like, what sort of entity would be powerful enough? Yeah. Just trying to get a chance to roll again. <laughs> nah. Oh, that's a good <laughs> angle. But no. It's a plus five there. <laughs> I remember reading the history books that you know necromancers can raise yeah. this. <laughs> he said no liches. This isn't fair. Specifically, I read the cultist cookbook, and it said. <laughs> yes. All right. Anybody else have some Don't good edit history? That out. <laughs> yeah, no. Our plug. Don't end it up a plug. This podcast not yet sponsored by the Cultist Cookbook. Order your copy for pickup at Dweeberson's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so we know Revenant came after us. Came after Max specifically. How long have we been? It's it's the next morning. It's like what, ten o'clock or something. So we've literally been on the case for like six hours and someone already raised up an undead to murder us. Yes. Someone's got good info. We caused a lot of noise. Has that drawn any attention so far? People are starting to wander the street now and they're sort of staring in horror at the obliterated body of the shop clerk. We should probably find Croc because first of all, we need to get protection for this, for Dweebers, Dweeb, Dweeb, Dweebleman. Dweeberson. Dweeberson. And... Because his clerk got murdered, so he's next probably too. And then we got we got to do something. They're gonna think we killed this guy if we don't 
We're standing there. We got our weapons out. Just dead bodies. Can we just... Doesn't look good for us. Take some of this, though, with us? Some of the body? Um... Max is gonna... Max will wait. Max will wait at the body with, uh, with his investigator's license. And, um... If we think that we're going to have city guard on us shortly, um, I want to I want to see if we can get some sort of official recognition that this was a, a, a previously dead body. I think Celine will stay with him, and while she's she's seen this in like books, so she's going to take some of the blood that's like on him and start drawing an outline around him in the blood. Like a chalk outline, but... Like a chalk outline. Infinitely more morbid than that? Yes. She remembers reading something about how, like, you want to keep the profile of <laughs> how they died so that you can assess the area once you remove the body. Dory is just imagining- watching, horrified. <laughs> we know how he died this time. Uh, yeah. She starts walking around and drawing tiny little outlines around all the pieces of the chalk. <laughs> <laughs> As long as she doesn't keep a piece. You don't need to know about it. Ledger still isn't allowed to be armed. So he's going to uh, to give his uh, his cutlass to Doran. Uh, just, if anyone asks, this is yours. And he's going to go in to check on the uh, the shopkeep. All right, sweet. Just imagine Doran taking it and like falling over because it's so big. <laughs> he's like waving it around like for fun. Woo! Uh, Ledger wants to go inside and make sure that Basil's okay. Uh, yeah, Basil is fine. Max, you're waiting at the body, and um, a, a handful of guards come running up and sort of look around aghast at what is what has transpired. Um, and the the lead guard um, approaches you and nods, and he says. Uh, so, so what happened here? Um, Celine waves with her bloody hand too while they're coming up. He he does not look at you. <laughs> okay. Um, Max will present his investigator's license and uh, will say, um, "We've been investigating some uh, s- some goings on that have been coming out of the city of the dead, and um, when we came out of this bookstore uh, out of Dweeberson's here." This hulking, uh, formerly alive person was, um, uh, it had killed the, the shopkeeper's clerk and, uh, came after us. Uh, we re-killed it, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, this thing has been dead for a long time, was reanimated and came after us. And, uh, I feel like that's important for the city guard to know about. The guardsman leans over and looks at the revenant uh, that so recently attacked you, and he stands up in surprise. He says, Oi, it's Foss! You you know this guy? He says, I should not have committed to this accent. No, you shouldn't. (laughs) It's too late now. (laughs) It is too late. Too late now. We gotta know this guy's backstory next. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm already... I I, I got that question queued up. (laughs) The gears are spinning. You rat... Bastards. (laughs) Bastards. <laughs> uh, he says, oh, it's Foss. He's a uh, uh, smith, uh, the god. Um, how long has he been... How uh, how long ago did he die the first time? Um, the guardsman looks back at one of the other guardsmen who doesn't have an accent <laughs> and shrugs. And that guardsman <laughs> says... <laughs> that guardsman says, um, yes, Foss has been dead for three weeks he he uh it was very surprising he uh, we don't know how he died he simply was dead one morning did he leave behind any kids uh no foss was a bachelor oh what did had he vacationed recently i don't know we didn't have that <laughs> we didn't have that kind of relationship what was his specialty at the smith smithery the smithy the blacksmith shop that place. Um, the guardsman, again, without the accent, uh, says that um, city guard smiths don't really have specialties. They, you know, hog out swords and armor. They repair dents. Um, he was not a craftsman. He was a, a brute force instrument. Oh, 
uh, for mass production. Clearly, he brute force. Yeah, he he pummeled that shopkeep clerk um, to like to death with his bare hands. Look at him. He, he looks around and is seems to be confused. Like, what are you talking about? So the clerk and Max will like kind of do the thumb over the shoulder at Dweebersons. We came out and we found him. Uh, in pieces with this hulking mass and his bloody fists over him. So as you look in that direction, you can see Ledger with Dweberson, who Dweberson's obviously been crying, but uh, he's hanging <laughs> a help wanted sign in the window. Perfect. Waste no time. Yeah, the guard, the guard is is looking at the pieces now. And is like, wait, that was a person? Yeah, he was a scrawny little kid, but a uh, kid nonetheless. And um, so when this giant thing came after us, we decided to not let him do that to us. Um, but again, and I cannot stress this enough, I, I need the city guard to know that there are reanimated corpses coming after people. Well, goblins. Yeah, goblins. Yes. Selene is going to ask if Foss had any, like, bad habits, like gambling or something that might have gotten him caught up with the wrong people. Um, the one with the accent seems to have uh, gotten a little bit of his confidence back, and he says, I uh, oh, liked a bit of the drink. Uh, where was his uh, favorite drinking hole? Please say Beer Golem, because it's the best named tavern in Waterdeep. He says, he says, I drank at the Red Gauntlet in the South Ward. That's a really interesting accent you have there. Where are you from? <laughs> Do you have any siblings? <laughs> he, he puffs out his chest. He says, water deep born and raised. Hey, me too. <laughs> uh, what part of water deep? Uh, underground. You wouldn't know it. What part of the underground? Have you ever heard of the Scupper Den? Yes. My mom was a regular. <laughs> He's turning that deep backstory around. Watch out. <laughs> so do you know if Foss uh, had anybody at the Red Gauntlet that he didn't get along with as well? He says, nah, Foss was a sweetheart. All right. Well, um, can we trust that you will let the appropriate authorities know about undead attacking Waterdeep citizens? He says, yeah, we'll write a memo. Super, will you make sure that Croc is copied on that memo? He gives you a thumbs up. Super. And uh, he, he kind of motions to the body and he's like, you guys will take care of this, right? Um, the guardsman behind him takes his helmet off and, and like places it over his chest and he says, yeah, we'll give him a proper burial. Cool, make sure that there's a cleric there because... Um, I don't want this guy coming back after us again. <laughs> it's kind of a side note. When we battle in the streets of Waterdeep and we're growing vines through the cracks of the cobblestones and making gigantic sound wave explosions and you know smashing heads into the, 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 the ground, are we causing damage that the guards care about? The way I think about it, it's like New York in Marvel comic books. Like they're so used to it at this point. They've just got a team of wizards or something that they're like, another adventuring party fought an owlbear in, you know, the South War. And they're like, oh, we'll go take care of it. And they just go fix it. Okay. Yeah, let's, uh, let's head back to the office and um, let's take a look at this file. And uh, let's double check our security systems to make sure that we don't have any uh, any of this coming into where we sleep. Yeah, Ledger, do we have uh, that undead feature? The undead package. Yeah. We really have to check with um, with edits. The bro the brochures are all filed, so we'll be able to find it. Um, um. Ledger, you know that you got the cobalt package from Adits, and it did include um, specific uh, protection against against the undead. Right now, Ledger's immensely distraught because his um, souvenir mug is broken into pieces <laughs> from the melee. Uh, 
Super unfortunate. But he does take the pieces just in case someone has a mending spell later. Yeah, the shatter spell just... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ledger. All right, so your trip back to the office, though frigid, is uneventful. Um, you're able to get inside. Uh, the security system is still activated. The office itself appears unmolested. And uh, you're able to settle in, get a fire going, start warming it up a little bit. Uh, and uh, you're able to review the file. Excellent. What's in it? Um, my fear... Uh, and uh, I feel comfortable expressing this fear uh, is that Dweberson is full of hot air and his research amounted to very little. That's my fear. But um, I'm I'm very interested to, to be proven wrong as I open up the file. So uh, I want you all to roll a preemptory insight check. A big eight for Ledger. Ten for Celine. So, uh, Twenty total for Doran. Uh, Fourteen on the dice, so twenty-one for Max. Okay, so Doran and Max, you guys are taking the lead on this. Like, Celine and Ledger are are taking it at face value and sort of being wowed at what amounts to page after page of nonsensical BS. Sort of a a story that has been concocted by Basil to be stimulating, but there's not a lot factual there. A lot of it is filled in. A lot of it is just kind of hokum. Does it look or feel like he was writing this in the hopes or sort of like the, the, the feeling that he was going to be able to capitalize on this story afterwards? To a certain extent, yeah. What you're seeing is tidbits of valid information surrounded by creative liberty. Okay. Um, and, and that's what Doran and Max are able to tease out is these bits of information that are then expanded on and built upon to the point that it becomes almost a fictional adventuring narrative, but these tiny bits of fact and evidence are there. And so when you backtrack a story about um, a, a Waterdeep fire brigade that lost three of its members fighting a fire in the South Ward um, that was set as arson that was intended against a, a young man that was sleeping with the the wife of a, another per, like it, the, there's this whole romantic narrative but it all boils down to one thing that the offices of Sparrow the detective that worked in Waterdeep 120 years ago uh, were over an inn that has had multiple names uh, is currently called the Red Gauntlet Okay. The Red Gauntlet. Bum, bum, bum. Fletch, does anyone know the Red Gauntlet in our party? Actually, no. Um, which is sort of strange. Uh, the Red Gauntlet is uh, a very old, very quiet inn in the South Ward. So you know of it, but they've never contracted you, Celine, to perform. Um, Max has never found himself there either in a personal or professional capacity. Uh, and I mean, even like Doran and Ledger who, who might enjoy a quieter, um, tavern experience have never found themselves in the Red Gauntlet. So that it's a little bit of a curiosity in that sense, um, that it's sort of this place that's kind of fallen between the cracks. Well, here's my suggestion about how we approach the Red Gauntlet as we get there to begin with. I uh, can sneak around and try to snoop to see if there's any sort of... Um, any sort of evidence about what may have happened 120 years ago around the outside 
look for fire damage, look to see if I can get into the area upstairs, anything like that. If Celine wants to take the lead on the inside of the tavern to find out more about uh, what Foss may have been up to. Yes, I think that's a great idea. Since you've got that charisma and I've got that stealth. Yeah, I'd also like to know if there's a basement in the inn and do some investigation to see what sort of potentially unnatural things might exist. Yes. If any. So shall we uh, Shall we head to the Red Gauntlet? Yeah, Ledger rests up and he's back at full health. Yeah, same. I used. I spent a hit dice. Here's my plan. Dorian will turn into a small woodland animal and hide on Max so he can help with perception checks with smell. Oh, lovely. And then if there's danger or if there's some use, then he can hop out. Oh, talk to some plants. I dig it. All right. So the group uh, sets out for the Red Gauntlet. It's in the South Ward. It's actually pretty close to the office. Before we get there, Fletch... Yeah. Uh, I'd like to use my uh, hat of disguise, and I'd like to take the appearance of Foss. Okay. Uh. Okay. What? (laughs) I'm back from the doom. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's been dead for three weeks. (laughs) They might not know that. Well, if he has friends there, they would. And if they do know that, that's useful. I wonder how convincing of a Foss this would be based on... Three-week corpse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really want to see how this goes, too. I'm along for this ride. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Foss back. Foss want beer. I'm imagining Solomon Grundy from the old DC, like... <laughs> yes. Justice League cartoons. Donald turned to a red and jump into Max's equipment. Okay, so the Red Gauntlet is pretty close to the office. And as you guys approach, um, you almost pass it by. It's not very well marked. Uh, It's sort of this kind of dim, quiet place. The sign doesn't have the name of the bar on it. It's simply a gauntlet painted onto a wooden board in red. So... If it weren't for Max's 22 passive perception, you might not have found it in the first place. You're welcome. <laughs> um, now, Max, you're you're sort of investigating the exterior of the tavern. Is that right? That is correct. That's correct. And Doran is with you in your equipment. Um, Agreed. Celine, you have taken the form of Foss, or what you believe Foss to have looked like in life. Yes. And Ledger, are you tagging along with Celine? Yes. So we have a new, the 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 team small and team tall 2.0s. Yes. Um, sort of splitting up. All right. So we'll do uh, we'll do a description first. So Max, on the on the exterior of the tavern, um, it is a, a relatively old building. There aren't a lot of wooden buildings in Waterdeep. Um, just as a result of the occasional fires and other natural disasters that occur in the city, attacks and wars and whatnot. But this does appear to be a relatively old building. Um, There aren't overt signs of any kind of fire uh, or anything like that, but Brad, actually roll a perception check with advantage based on uh, the, the smell. I rolled a 20. I don't need to roll again. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, how's 23. that? 23. Uh, so that's a natural 20. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so as, as Max makes his circuit around the exterior of the Red Gauntlet, you are picking up lots of stuff. Um, the smell of charred wood, um, but faint, not recent. The smell of charred wood... Uh, the smell of uh, uh, even to a certain extent, but but much fainter than the smell of charred wood, the smell of charred flesh. Uh, and then on top of that, more recent uh, and and more pervasive, but under the the smell, the sense of smell of a, a normal human, 
uh, the smell of decay. Anything that's um, similar to what we experienced with Foss's um, reconstituted body? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it would be... uh, Brad especially is able to draw a really clear parallel between the two. So Doran will do a complex pantomime with his rat hands to communicate to Max that it smells like the decay of the dead. We, uh, we've been practicing this in the months <laughs> between, so okay. we're good. So given um, that, Max, roll an insight check with advantage. Uh, it's a 14 on the dice, so 21 total. Yeah, you get it. You get what he's saying. Nice. Um, is there any sort of path or uh, something I can climb or uh, like a fire escape, ladders, anything like that, that I can use to get up above where the red gauntlet is. Do you have a proficiency in climbing? I mean, I'm a goblin and I'm a rogue. Let's see what I've got here. I am proficient in acrobatics. So the exterior of the building is kind of one of those um, craftsman exteriors, exposed beams, that kind of thing. Um, you would definitely be able to make a climbing check to see if you could get up to the top. It would be challenging at the top because there's an overhanging roof, and so you would have to navigate that a little bit, Uh, but you could make the check to see if you can get up there. Okay, and and now, uh, specifically, would you like an acrobatics check or an athletics check? You could make an athletics check to climb up the side of the building and try to get around. All right. Uh, It's a 15 uh, on the dice, so a 14 total. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. That'll do it. I I mean, it's not like it's a particularly difficult effort to make. It's just the difference between the plus six and the negative one. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. No, you you're really good off. at balancing, but maybe not as good at climbing. <laughs> Mary Lou Retton off a trampoline to get to the top of the building, then uh, then I would get my plus six. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, specifically, I'm trying to find my way in to where the offices of Sparrow were previously a ah, hundred years ago. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, you. So what you do is you basically climb up two stories. Um, There is the first story, which is actually um, the way way you're able to perceive that the tavern is laid out is that the tavern itself is sort of recessed into the ground. And so the first story actually isn't the tavern itself. It's the top half of the tavern and then a floor of uh, rooms, accommodations. Uh, for guests. And then the second story is offices that are rented out to local businesses. And that's where the offices of Sparrow would have been. Okay. Um, yeah, I would like to go and see if, if there's anything that I can discern or find or anything like that. So you, you climb up. So you're not actually trying to get up onto the roof. You're trying to get sort of access to that second floor. Agreed, yes. Okay, okay, great. So you climb up and you peer in through this window and what you see is um, sort of basic commercial offices that don't look like they uh, are currently open. Uh, It looks like this is one of those locations where the weather has kept the employees home. Um, Roll a uh, perception check. Uh... (laughs) That's a, um, a 10 total. Oh, no. It's <laughs> a, a three on, nineteen three on Doran. the dice. Uh, Doran can roll one, but not with advantage because it's just sight. I Yep, yeah, 19. Okay, great. Uh, it looks like some sort of real estate office now. Um, the, uh, the, there are, are um, posters on the wall uh, that say that have pictures of kind of different neighborhoods in Waterdeep. Uh, and they all say something like along the lines of, uh, if you bought here, you'd be home right now. Doran will point those out with his tiny little red hands. Max will do just, uh, I just want to see if there's any sort of, any sort of place where 
documents that might have been here before would have been stashed and subsequently not destroyed by the fire of 150 years ago or 20 years ago or however long. Yeah, so Dorn will actually jump down onto the ground once we're up there and he'll start sniffing around for the smell of old paper. Um, you see an old, a very old safe. What's it smell like? It smells like old paper. <laughs> uh, Max got a uh, an investigation of 25, 16 on the dice. Um, the safe looks older than everything else that's in the real estate office. Um, so, I mean, this is this feels like a pretty strong lead. This feels like something that, uh, I mean, there's no reason a real estate office, office would have a tremendous amount of cash on hand. There's no reason um, that, uh, you know, documents would have to be uh, uh, secured in that way. Um, this safe does seem somewhat uh, incongruous with the rest of the office. It looks a little bit out of place. Does it have any scorch marks? Not that you can see, no. Okay. Um, I would like to, uh, first of all, Max is going to ask Doran to keep an eye on the main door. And then Max is going to break out the thieves tools. And I think for the first time in Adventure They Wrote History... Use thieves tools to try to unlock a lot. My God! <laughs> wow. All the way to episode three, season three, before anyone had to pick a lock. Hey, we play above the board. We do okay. play above the board. That's true. So Dorn will you'll guard the door while Max does his. So Max, while, while you're doing that, I won't have you roll right now. I'm actually going to have, um, I'm going to have Ledger and Celine as Foss. Um, they enter the bar itself, and they're doing uh, basically. Uh, Celine, you're there to try to figure out like what Foss's relationship with all the people in this bar were, right? Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, so you enter the bar, and you you notice right away uh, that um, there there are relatively few people in here, even for this kind of day and this kind of weather, where you would where people are staying home and just trying to stay out of this uh, freezing cold to begin with. There are only like four or five people and the bar itself is relatively large for that many. So it's it, it, there's this sense of oddity to it that um, there are so few here. And as you enter, uh, all five heads, including that, that includes the bartender, uh, swivel and look at you. As you guys enter and you're coming down these stairs from the main road uh, and the bartender is all the way on the other side of the bar, but he looks up uh, and he sees you and from across the bar, he yells, Hey, I thought we killed you. Hey there, Jason, your producer here. Thank you so much for listening to episode three of season three of Adventure They Wrote. Two quick points of order. I realized while editing the show that I added my plus nine to investigation to my 18 on the dice, which is 27, not 28. I don't think that that would have affected the outcome, but we felt like being transparent. Also, Sam pointed out that while investigating at its wizardly home security last season, I picked the lock to the key storage before seeing the hallucination of the spectral unicorn. So... Yeah. Uh, anyway, as always, I want to say a few huge thank yous. First, thank you, thank you, thank you to Tabletop Audio for always allowing us to use all of the sound effects, music beds, and 10-minute loops in our show. Tim's work is always first class, and their stuff is available for any tabletop gaming need for free. Just hit up the website, tabletopaudio.com, and if you would like to chip in, you can always join their Patreon, where you'll have access to all sorts of alternate tracks like music only or effects only. We're subscribers, and we get great use out of so many of those alternate tracks, so thank you again to Tabletop Audio. And next, we have our first sponsor. The hosting of this week's episode is brought to you by Bugbear Bubbles, home of the world-famous gelatinous cube soap. So you can make every time you wash your hands an adventure at bugbearbubbles.com. 
Finally, thank you to you, our listener. We wouldn't be here without you, and it's always nice seeing where people are downloading the show from. So if you have some time, please give us a rating or a review or both. And uh, we're on all the major podcast aggregators, and every review and every rating is a way for us to get a little bit more visibility. We hope you're doing well and staying safe, and uh, we know that things are stressful, and we hope that we can be a small distraction while you're going through your weekly routine. So thanks again for listening, and tune in next time for more mystery. Interesting. I like all these little reveals. It all comes together. You guys, I did a lot of work on this one. I've got, I, I have, I have a murder collage <laughs> yeah. in my notebook with little <laughs> lines drawn Tell to ya. all the different things. Nice. Send a private Discord message if you no longer feel safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living in a house with a murder collage. Tell you, get out of the house. <laughs> I have the dogs. I think I'm. If there's danger, or if there's some use, then he can hop out. Oh, talk to some plants. When I started, when I started writing these, especially this season, like knowing Doran could talk to plants and stuff. Winter, they're all dead. They're winter, they're all dead. <laughs> nice, yeah. thank you. Easy, right? There's house plants, Fletch. I know, <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Like, I they're didn't all expect the druid to be the problem. <laughs> the most challenging <laughs> element. Like, I, like, I thought when Max was first, like, I have 22 passive perception. I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be so tough to work around Max's 22 passive perception. And then Brad was like, I can talk to plants. <laughs> Someone was murdered in that room. Oh, is there a Daisy? Hey, Daisy, who did it? That guy. Great, it was that guy. All right, there's season four. <laughs> I try, I try so hard. Season four, pushing daisies. Season four, oh, Talia. Ah, I'm sorry, I couldn't help Talia. it. <laughs> Pushing daisies and it's 13 minutes long. Yep. Everyone's like, it ended too soon. <laughs> Doran! Sorry. 